What's interesting, um, my dad sent me down to that youth conference, and I don't want to go, but he, he told me I'm going. And so I have the kind of dad who says, you're doing it, you're doing it, amen. So I thought I might as well go have fun with my friends. And so I went down there, not expecting God to call me as a missionary. I'm um, just thinking I'll have fun with my friends, but that week the Lord spoke to my heart. And I didn't know it at the time, but also my wife was at that same missions com- at that same youth conference, and we both surrendered our life to the Lord as missionaries at that same youth conference, uh, not even knowing each other then. And they had a Bible college there, and so later on, after I graduated from high school, I went down to the Bible college, and uh, I remember my friend and I went to one of the football games at a high school, Christian high school, and a Bible college. I went to the high school football game as a freshman, and my wife was a senior in, um, in high school. And um, my friend is telling me, see that person over there? And there's a mascot, the bulldog. And that was my wife. She was a mascot. <laughs> and so when she pulled off that head, she said her hair was going everywhere. And it was, you know. And I thought, that's the kind of girl I want to marry. Because, you know, I've been around girls growing up, and they're like, all oh, my fingernails. I mean, I got, I got a little bit of paint. I'm going to Africa, you know. I mean, it's just a little bit different. And so anyway, and, uh, but then didn't think anything of it. My friend liked her. Um, his name was Trevor, and he said, I like her. And so I just had a policy. I'm not going to allow a girl to get between me and a friend, a relationship that may not last, you know, a week compared to a friendship that could be a lifetime. I figured if God has it in store for us, God will bring us together. And a little bit later, he did just that. And so um, then later, of course, we got married. And um, it's exciting to see what the Lord does and how God leaves people together. Um, it's amazing to see that. And, uh, but I just want to thank your church here also for your love for us and for uh, taking such good care of us while I've been here. Uh, the food has been very good. I appreciate that, and especially tonight. I walked in tonight and just, you could smell it. I don't know who cooked it. Who cooked that? It was good. And so, uh, but I really enjoyed it, brother. And so, but it reminded me of being back, in, uh, back home in Uganda. Uh, there's times I'll walk in and my wife's been cooking. You can smell that good food, and I'll go in the kitchen and, I'll take a deep breath and I'll say something sweet like, man, that smells good. The neighbors must be cooking something. <laughs> I get in all sorts of trouble. That's why I wear long sleeves. It covers the bruises. But uh, <laughs> no, but it has been very good. appreciate everything and, um, and, your pr- and your prayers and faithful support as well. And so, but now tonight, as we'll be looking here to the Word of God, um, the title of the message tonight is, Have You Answered God's Call? Now, we've been looking at some things already here. Uh, we've been looking about how we're laborers together. We're supposed to be laborers together. Uh, we've been talking about the value of missions and about there's some value to it. We've been seeing this and about um, some different things here about the value and about um, how God wants us to be involved. But now tonight, um, have we answered that call? You know, it's kind of like getting a phone call. Have you ever gotten a phone call before? Now, used to, you couldn't tell who was calling. You, you just pick it off the wall. I remember that one. But nowadays, you can see the phone number, and you can even see who's calling. And many times, have the name on there. Have you ever gotten a phone call, and you looked at that, and you just keep ringing? Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, sometimes these phones kind of shake them, and they kind of go quiet. You know, or you push that button, and it's like, okay. You know? <laughs> so, and and there, there's sometimes you get a phone call. I've got a friend of mine who's a politician there in Uganda, and every once will call me. And there's times I'm thinking, I'm not going to answer the phone. I know he wants something this, you know, election year or this or that. And I'm like, I'm not answering the phone today. And so what I would do with him, um, I, after he called, I'd send him a text and say, sorry, I missed your call. Let me know if you need me to call back or something, you know. And so anyway, I'd meet him a few days later and he'd say, Pastor, why didn't you call me back? And I said, well, didn't you get my text? 
And then they saw, sorry, and I, and so, because I know he never read the text. And so I, that's why I'd send him a text, because he never read them. But now I have to change my idea about that, because he got some reading glasses, and I can read the text. And so I've got to come up with a new plan when I go back. But um, sometimes you do that, don't we? get a phone call, and we just kind of let it go. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is what we do with God as well. God's calling us. And we know it's God, but we don't answer the call. We know it's God is pricking our heart, and we talked about that question tonight even. How do I know it's God? Sometimes it's not that we don't know it's God. It's just that we're afraid it is, and we don't, you know, we're afraid of what the call is going to be about or what he's telling us he wants us to do. And sometimes it's that fear that holds us back. And so we need to make sure tonight that we do answer God's call. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 14 it says, Afterward he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their, um, with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Jesus rose from the dead, but the apostles didn't believe it. And then it goes on, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, after the crucifixion of Christ, the apostles were discouraged. And that's true. You can read the scriptures. I mean, Peter said, I'm going back to fishing. He's going back to um, how he lived his life before, going back to how he used to provide for his family. When hard times come, it can be discouraging, just like so many people today are discouraged right now due to the coronavirus, the economic problems, the shutdowns, the challenges people are facing today. There's been many people who have maybe not been as faithful as they should be. Now the apostles were not believing these reports they were seeing about the Lord being risen. Look in chapter 16 of verse 9. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And then when they heard this, that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Just like you hear other people about what God has done for them and how the Lord is just like he, he's done so much in their life. And sometimes not that we don't believe it, but we just don't believe that God could do that for us. Sometimes we struggle with a little bit of unbelief in our own life at times. And so after he appeared in another form into two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the residue, neither believed they them. They're told two different times that Christ had risen but they don't believe it. Then Jesus himself appears to them and not only got on to them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, but then he called them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Now think about this. Christ died on the cross. And who was the treasurer? Judas. No leader. And not only is there no leader, but now no money. I mean, the guy holding the money is gone. Now they're having financial problems. And so now they don't know what to do. They're discouraged. Then Jesus sent them two messengers to tell them he is alive, but they could not believe that anything good could come out of what had happened. You can't tell me anything good could come out of this. We were there. We saw the things that were happening. Kind of sounds a little bit like today a little bit, you know. People think, don't tell me anything good out of 2020 can come. I don't know. There's nothing good out of there. And these elections, these problems, these challenges, I mean, what good could come out of all these things? I mean, the apostles are discouraged. They're having some difficulties that they're facing in their life. 
When I think of that message some 2,000 years ago, I think what the problem was is they had the eyes on the problems instead of on the Lord Jesus Christ. And even when they heard the message from him, they couldn't believe it because they started, they're overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with grief, with fear. What are we going to do? I mean, how are we going to make a living? How am I going to provide for my family? Where's the money? Judas took all the money. He's a thief. The Lord Jesus, I mean, he fed the 5,000, but he's not here anymore. What am I going to do? And sometimes we become overwhelmed, just like these apostles were. Let me ask you tonight, though, have you answered God's call? Now, when he came back and they saw him again, they were encouraged, weren't they? I mean, these same men who were discouraged, who were hiding, that's what they're doing. They're hiding from the Jews. They're afraid. After Jesus crucified, these same men then turned the world upside down. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Now, let me mention three calls tonight that we need to make sure that we answer. And especially if we desire to serve the Lord, we need to make sure that we answer each of these calls. And the first one I think most of you here tonight have answered, that is the call to salvation. Look in the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 44. Here in the book of John chapter 6 verse 44 it says, No man can come to me except the Father with that which hath sent me draw him. Now I'll raise him up at the last day. The Bible also says God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Turn over to 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. If you're not sure what that is, it's right after 1 Peter. I hope there'll be help to you. <laughs> I'm very helpful sometimes, amen. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I love this verse. It's a tremendous verse here. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, there's a man there in Uganda by the name of Francis. He is the father-in-law of one of our pastors. And I met Francis several times and um, witnessed to him, talked to him. His son-in-law, one of our pastors, had talked to him. His daughter had talked to him. But Francis just... He had not accepted Christ as a Savior yet. One day my dad was coming to visit us in Uganda, and about the same time my dad was coming over uh, to be there with us, we got a message from the village from Francis, and he said, I'm ready now to get saved. And so we were excited about that. My dad was there, and I said, so let's plan a trip. My dad and me and that pastor and several of us went out there, and uh, it's a couple hours away. We had to drive out to there, and it's on a dirt road. You know what a washboard is? And then, you know, the washboard is where driving around the road like this, you know. I mean, that's how that road was. You know, I get shook to death. There's parts of the car left on the road. And so we finally get to the house, and uh, he had some food there for us. So we went in, and uh, he was there, and uh, he invited a couple friends. He had the district police commander for that area there. And he also had another friend of his, a Seventh-day Adventist preacher. And so the three of them were there at the table, and a lot of his family had already been saved, but he had not yet trusted Christ as a Savior. And so he had wanted us to come and to share the gospel with them. So they came in and they gave us some food and things. And we got down to the time to talk about some things. And so he and my dad were about the same age. So I asked my dad to talk to him as we sat there at the table. And my dad shared with him the gospel and talked to him about salvation. And he understood everything. And he got to the end 
about the time where he could choose to accept Christ as a Savior. And he said, well, he said, I thought I was ready. I, I thought I was ready, but, but I'm not sure. He said, maybe, maybe I should wait a little while and, and just to see, and maybe, maybe, I don't think I'm ready yet. My dad looked at me, so, you know, we did the tag thing, you know. <laughs> and so he looked over at me, so I, I talked to Francis for a moment. I said, Francis, I said, thank you for allowing us to come to your home and for having us here. And he said, oh, Pastor, of course, you're my friend. Um, you're always welcome to come to my home. And I said, well, Francis, you know, as is our, as our culture here in Uganda, uh, before we leave today, we have a gift that we brought for you, and it's in my car. Now, normally in that tribe, you'll give them a gift as you're leaving. Some tribes, you give it to them as you go. Uh, but for them, normally before they leave, they would give them a gift. And so uh, sometimes you bring sugar or motoke or some other thing, some type of food or something like that. And so I told Francis, I said, Francis, um, before you go, I have a gift in our car that I'd like to give you. And he said, oh, Pastor, thank you so much. And he had a smile on his face. And he said, well, Pastor, you didn't have to do that. He said, you're always welcome on my home. You're my, you're my good friend. And I said, well, thank you, Francis. I appreciate that. And I said, but Francis, let me ask you a question. Um, before I go and when I bring you that gift, I said, are you going to be willing to receive that gift? Or would you maybe tell me, no, thank you. I, I don't want that. And he kind of leaned back in his chair and he got this look on his face and said, oh, Pastor, he said, no. He said, no, I can never do that to you, Pastor. I said, well, well why not? He said, because if I, if I refuse your gift, he said, it's like I'm refusing your friendship. I'm, I'm rejecting you. He said, Pastor, I can't refuse your gift because then I'm rejecting you and you're my friend. And I told him, I said, Francis, we're here today to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's calling you today. He's knocking on your heart's door. And you just told him no. No, you can't come in. You didn't answer God's call, Francis, in the right way. You said no. Boy, he looked at me with this look on his face, and he said, Pastor. He said, I can't tell God no. He said, I need to get saved right now. He didn't think about the fact that when you say wait, really what you're saying is no. I'm not going to answer God's call as he's calling me to be saved today. You're saying wait till tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen between now and tomorrow. You could die right now today. And that day he answered God's call for salvation. He trusted Christ as a Savior. Now it's a blessing. That's a wonderful thing when he did that. We've been praying for him for some time. But there's so many today who will not answer that call. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who at the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It's not the hands, it's the heart. There in Uganda, I, I listen to the words that people say. When you're out sowing, you ought to listen to what people say because, you know, people learn our terminology sometimes, but they have a different meaning. And so you can't just judge people by the words that they use, but one of the things that I found that a lot of Pentecostals like to say there now is I've asked Jesus to come into my life. And sometimes we use those words here, but here it might be a bit different. There in Uganda, it means something different normally. There in Uganda, normally what they're saying is, oh, I, I confess Jesus so I could change my life, or I changed my life. They've never asked Jesus to come into their heart. And so I listen to the words, and I talk to people in that way. Uh, depending on the words that they use, and I've asked so many people, has anyone ever shown you from the Bible what God has said you must do to be saved? And it doesn't matter who you are today. I remember in San Angelo, Texas, uh, we're there, and there's a family called the Riggins family. 
I don't know if they ever came out this way or not, if any of you ever heard of them. He was an evangelist. They'd travel on a bus, and they would sing and things. And I remember one day they were there. That was their home church. And one day the pastor, Pastor Taylor, had an invitation. And he said, if you're not saved, raise your hand. You know where our heads are bad and our eyes are closed? And he said, if you're not saved, raise your hand. And then you heard him again. Okay, now, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, raise your hand. A few moments passed by. He said, okay, now listen, if you're not saved, raise your hand. He, he said that several times because Mrs. Riggins was sitting there and her hand was up. If you'd ask anybody, out of anybody in the church who's saved, you know a thousand percent Mrs. I mean, she's one of the most godly ladies you'd ever met. I mean, she's gone out soul winning. She's led people to the Lord. I mean, she's just about born in the nursery, I think. I mean, she is Mrs. Baptist. She got saved that night. She said, you know, I grew up in church. She said, I was, I was always a good girl. Nobody got on to me. And she said, I think people just assumed I was saved because I never really got in any trouble. But she said, I realized tonight that I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. And I'm a sinner just like everyone else. And that night, that evangelist's wife got saved. doesn't matter who you are. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. God is calling us to salvation, but God is also calling us to tell others about salvation. Tell, tell others about him. We've seen these verses, how shall they call on him and whom they have not believed and whom they have not heard? How will they know unless we tell them? We must tell others about the Lord, Jesus Christ. That call to salvation, also what about this, a call to sanctification. Hmm? Let's take our Bibles here. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. Now I know once we get saved, we're the saints of God. That's something we teach about there in Uganda because a lot of the people there are Catholics and they pray to saints. And they say they're praying through the saints, but really they have idols. And so we teach them about, you know, the saints are the children of God. Matter of fact, I was telling one pastor, I think it might have been you, I can't remember, I was a bad saint on Sunday. Because the word saint, S-A-I-N-T, Sunday afternoon is nap time. I didn't get a nap. I was a bad saint that day. <laughs> But you know, we are the children of God, we are the saints of God, but we're to live a sanctified life. We're to live as the children of God. And here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto what? Holiness. My goal is not just to meet some standard of the church. My goal is to meet God's standard. My goal is to live a holy, sanctified life. My goal is to be well-pleasing to my God. And what I do and where I go and what I wear and everything I say, no matter what it might be, I'm to live that holy, sanctified life. God say, be you holy, because I am holy. You know, look over in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Now, I'm mentioning these things because we should have a desire to answer that call. But see, I think those verses here will explain what God is looking for as He's calling us here. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having their seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, sin. 
Look at the next verse. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now I have two bottles here, you know. Now, you know, we talked about a vessel unto honor or a vessel unto dishonor. Now I stuck a little few leaves on here. It's hard to see all the dirt on this one. This one I covered up with dirt, and there's a bunch of stuff on there. And if you were to look at these two, you look for the one that looks the best, don't you? Normally you don't want a bottle that's all dirty or like a cup that's dirty. You look for something that's clean, a vessel unto honor. But the thing about it is God doesn't just look on the outside. God looks on the inside. We look on the outside and say, how can that be worth anything? And there's dirt all through here. There's leaves stuck in it. I think I'll take this one. But this one was empty. I filled it up with water from the bathroom, from the toilet. Mm. Anybody thirsty? You know, it's a lot harder to clean up the inside than it is the outside. I'm glad God can take somebody and just clean them up a little bit and make them that vessel into honor. Because it's God who cleans us up, isn't it? I mean, we don't deserve to be used to the Lord. I remember my dad, he shared, his he shared his testimony several different times. He said that when he was younger, his dad told him, he said, son, because of how you lived your life, God doesn't want you, you can't even get saved. And that's how he went through the first part of his life up to his about 22 years old, thinking that God couldn't save him. And then one day, he got saved. Somebody shared with him the gospel, he trusted Christ as a Savior. He thought, okay, maybe God could save me, but surely God can never use me. And then he went to a pastor school conference and one of the preachers preached on a message and said, you don't have to be a failure. And my dad realized that day that no matter what I've done before, that's under the blood, amen. <laughs> I can serve God. So many times we look on the outside, but God is looking at the heart. God can clean us up. God can use us. But we have to answer his call. I don't know some of you made they're past an excuse about why they can't serve God. Why would serve God? But no, you can serve God. We can choose to serve Him, but we must live that sanctified life. God is looking for a vessel unto honor. Hmm? And so that's something that we have to consider as we're striving to serve Him. And so we need to be separated from sin unto God. We need to be separated from the world unto God. I explained this way to our folks here in Uganda. I said, you know, it's not just about being separated from the world. It's about being separated unto God. Amen. I've seen some people getting saved, and you know what they do? They, they start going to the bars. They start going to the discotheque. They start going around those bad influences, but they don't get in church. Or they come a little bit here and there. They're hit and miss, but they're not faithful in church. They don't get some godly friends in church, and, you know, we need that fellowship. You know what happens to those ones who don't separate themselves unto God and unto the church, you might even say? You see them many times going back to the world. And so it's a matter of making sure that we separate ourselves unto God. God wants you to take some things out, but to fill it up with something good. Hmm? To fill yourself with his word. To have some godly friends. 
We talked about that counsel. Hmm? Friends that will give you godly advice. You know, there's different types of advice in this world. There's some advice that's wrong. And you know, man, that's not good advice. But there's some advice that sounds pretty good, and from a worldly perspective, it is good. You can get somebody to advise you on how to make money and how to do business, how to do all sorts of things, and it can be a great help to your life, and you can think, man, this must be of God. And look at this opportunity that I have, but if God's called you to do something else, then that's not good advice. Oh, it is for physical things, but we need to make sure we answer God's call. There's, I don't know how many people here in the United States that have gone to Bible colleges or Bible institutes and say, God's called me to preach, God's called me to be a missionary, God's called me to serve in the church, and they got distracted by the things of this life. Not necessarily sinful things, but just things that steer us away from what God has for us. And so we need to make sure that we're living that sanctified life, that we're living unto God, separated from distractions unto God. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 it says, Wherefore seeing we're also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience a race that is set before us. You know, it's sometimes easy to set aside the sin because we know that's bad. But then what we do, we say, okay, God, I'm ready for the race. How many of you have ever run a race like this? From the weights. The Bible doesn't just talk about sin. It talks about the weights that slow us down. There's a lot of people today that are carrying around a lot of weights. And they're hindered in their service for God. Might be some friendships. Might be some other things in your life that we just need to set aside. It says we need to separate ourselves from certain things. Why? So that we can be productive in our service for God. We need to make sure that we're sanctified. You know, God has chosen you. God has set you apart. God desires for you to serve him. We're to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. What's on the inside should work its way out to the outside. Yes, we need to be careful about not judging one another, but the Bible also says, by your fruits ye shall know them. Hmm? What do people think about when they look at me? If I go up to someone and witness to that person, are they going to be distracted by the fact that, well, I saw this guy at the bar last night. He didn't see me, but I saw him standing over there drinking a beer. I mean, and he's telling me I need what he has. Huh? Oh, I saw this person the other day. They're hanging out the window, cussing out of the car. You cut me off. Oh, yeah. And I was the one driving the other car. Yeah, I saw him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even that uh, one pressure said we have what we call Baptist cussing. We don't use bad words, but we have other words we use. Hey, listen, how do we live our life? Do we live it in such a way that we can witness to others and they'll listen to the message that we have, or does our life distract them from that message? We need to make sure we're that sanctified life, that call to salvation, that call to sanctification. Lastly, the call to service. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. Look over there for just a moment. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. We'll look at this one verse here in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, for the work went to what? I have called them. Does God call people? I have called 
them. Now think about this. God has called you. You don't need to wonder tonight, has God called me? Yes, he has. Now the question is, to what has he called me to? I tell people all the time, God has called you. After you're saved, God has called you to get baptized. That's for every believer. If you're here tonight and you've not been baptized, God wants you to be baptized. I've been saved now for, well, for a while, uh, 38 years now. I've never met anyone in 38 years who's been used of God very much who wasn't first baptized after they got saved. Baptism is not a um, part of salvation, but it's what I would call the first step of obedience. It's the first thing God desires for you to do after you're saved. And so God wants us all after we're saved to be baptized. You might say, what's the will of God for my life? Are you baptized? If not, then after you're saved, you need to take care of that. He wants us to read our Bible and to pray every day. Hmm? He wants us to be faithful in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and Monday and Tuesday night of the conference and the other conference we might have for the ladies' retreat. Whatever it is, any opportunity you have to be around the family of God, God wants you to be involved in those things. God wants you to give your tithes and offerings. God wants you to be a witness. All five of those things, that is the will of God, that is the will of God for every person here in this room tonight. I say that's from studying Scripture. Those are five things that is the will of God for you. So if you're here tonight and you're saying, boy, has God called me? Yes, he's called you. Now, are you doing the things he's called you to? Are you giving your tithe to help your church to reach your community? Are you giving to missions to help to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature? Are you passing out gospel tracts? Maybe you don't have time to come every time, but you can at least take tracts with you. You can take them and share them with your co-workers and friends. Are you doing the things you already know God has for you to do? So many times it's not a matter of that we don't know, it's just that we don't do. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Those things which both learned and heard and received and seen in me. Now God gives a very complicated plan here. Do. Isn't that hard to figure out? Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know, we even do that with our kids, don't we? Go wash the dishes. If I tell my kids go wash the dishes and they don't do them, how do you do that, Daddy? I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them, but it's not by washing dishes. They know how to do it. And if they come up with some excuse, I don't know how to do that. Let me motivate you so that you'll remember how to do that. Amen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anybody here ever been motivated by your parents and you suddenly remembered? Oh, yes. You know, as parents, we tell our kids to do things, and we know they know how to do them, but did they always obey? No. And even as the children of God, that's how we are. Your pastor has been preaching here. We've heard the messages. We've heard the things that have been said. We've seen the scriptures. Sometimes it's not a matter of not knowing. It's just a matter of we're not doing the things we know we're supposed to do. But I want to know if God has something more. Well, do the things he's told you to do, and then he'll show you maybe the next step. Now, I've worked in management. I was a supervisor at a plastic factory. I've worked in other companies and different things. And, you know, we have certain employees that um, they don't like to listen. <laughs> Those ones normally don't last very long. We're looking for someone who will do what they're told to do. Hmm? And so, you know, even with work and different things, we understand there's a job to do. We need to do the work. And that's what the Bible says. The things you know you're supposed to do, do. 
Hmm? Are we doing those things as we talked about? But, you know, the thing that I found, even in my own life, I was serving the Lord in my home church, this church like this one, Independent Baptist Church. I was serving the Lord, and I was not even looking for the next step. I did not want to go to the youth conference. But God sent me, and God knocked on my, on my door and said, Hey, listen, I got another step for you now. I was faithfully serving God where I was, just content and happy to be there. And God said, I have something more for you. You know when you're being, you know when you're faithfully serving God, He takes notice of that. I was being faithful where I was, and that's when God told me to take that next step. And so you may not know what the future may hold, but you just be faithful to God and the things you know you're supposed to do, and God will lead you. God will guide you. He's the boss, isn't he? He's the one in control, just like in a company with management. You tell somebody what to do. Well, what's next? Well, just do that, and then I'll tell you the next thing. Right now, that's your job, you know, and you do your job. And if there's something more they have for you, they tell you the next thing. And that's, what, that's really how God works in our lives many times. He's looking for those who are faithfully doing their work. Uh, some of you here work in business, and maybe you're an owner of a business. Maybe you work in management. I mean, when you're looking for somebody to step up in management, what kind of person do you look for? Someone who's faithfully doing the work. Somebody who's honest. I mean, there's certain character traits you're looking for. I mean, a hard worker. And there's certain things that you're looking for. You know, I think there's certain things God is looking for too. He's looking for that person living that sanctified life. He's looking for that person who they may not know everything God has for them, but they're doing all the things they know they're supposed to be doing right now. Oh, this is what God has for me? I'm going to do it. That's the kind of person God's looking for. And so as we talk about the will of God, the call of God, this call to service. But you know, you should answer this call because of John chapter 14 or verse 15. I like this verse. I've shared it with many people. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, show me. Don't just say you love me. Show me your love. And we're not just talking about the Ten Commandments. Which ones? Well, just all of them right here. <laughs> These ones. You know, you're probably like me. We like to pick and choose which ones we like. But God is looking for that faithful servant. God is looking for that one who's sanctified and just said, Lord, I belong to you. Everything I have, everything I am. Lord, whatever you want me to do. Like um, they talked about just a moment ago. And they got rid of the house even. I mean, went out on the road. We've done the same thing. Others have done the same thing. God has called someone to do that. He's not called everyone, but whatever God has for me in my life. Lord, I'm yours. Everything I have belongs to him. God is the one who even gives us the strength to make wealth. It's because of him that we are who we are. It's not because of me and how smart I am and what I can do. Without God, I'm nothing. You know, answer that call because of your love for him. Somebody asked me, why'd you go to Uganda? Because I love him. Amen. Somebody asked me, well, are you going to Uganda because you love the people? I told him I don't know everybody there. But I love God. Amen. Now I love the people because I know them. But I tell you what, if you just go because you feel sorry for somebody, those people you feel sorry for might make you upset one day. <laughs> you may not love them so much one day. I know you love everybody, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, boy, people can get you upset. I mean, you do something here in the church, you work hard, 
Maybe you're sweeping the floor, you're doing something, and here comes somebody just dragging mud in. Just <laughs> 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 Sometimes you feel unappreciated maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm not doing it because of them. I'm doing it because I love God. Amen. If you serve Him because you love Him, it changes your, how, your whole outlook. But also, answer God's call because of your faith in Him. You know, in Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. That verse we put on the back of our daughter's tombstone. It doesn't say that it works out for my good necessarily and what I would like, but it's for good. Things are going to happen. But it's amazing how God can work through every situation for his honor and glory. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Do I have faith in him? Do I trust him? Sometimes that's why we don't serve him. Sometimes that's why when that phone call rings, when God's speaking to our heart, we kind of think, well, is that really God? <laughs> I mean, does God, does God really, I mean, I mean, on this missions card, does God really want me to give that much money? I better think about that. I mean, that amount that God put upon your heart. I was at a missions conference recently. He said, uh, the pastor told me, he said, sometimes you get a prayer card, there's an amount written on there and it's scratched out, then there's a higher amount on there, and then it's scratched out, and then there's a higher amount on there, and, they, and just as God's been working on their heart that week, they're like, okay, Lord, all right, Lord, all right, I'll trust you, I'll, I'll, I'll do what you put on my heart. But sometimes, to be honest, there's things God put on my heart before that kind of scare you a little bit. Kind of think, I don't, I don't know if we can do this. And then I realize it's not about what I can do, it's about what God can do through me. That's what God is looking for. When you sing that song, that conduit of blessing, that channel of blessing, God is looking for some Christians today that he can work through. And you have to decide whether or not you'll be one of those that will serve God and that will allow God to work through them, to be that channel of blessing. I tell our folks in Uganda, it's like, are you going to be a bowl or are you going to be a funnel? You know, that bowl effect Christian, where the fact that, we know, God, as you bless me, and as the blessings are overflowing, then I can do something for you. But that funnel, you pour it in, the blessings just go right through it, don't it? But if you're like me, you've probably used a funnel before, and it overflowed. Has anybody ever done that before? <laughs> you know, God can even do that. God can work through you, and the blessings can be overflowing. We serve a wonderful, gracious God who loves us and cares for us and who desires to work through us. You don't have to be afraid to say, Lord, here am I. Because he loves you more than anyone else ever could. He showed you that love on Calvary. And now he is saying, will you answer my call? Will you answer that call to serve me? Will you answer that call to be a missionary? Will you answer that call to be a pastor? Will you answer that call to be a witness? Will you answer that call to give to missions? Will you answer the call? If you love him, you should. If you can put your faith in him and if you can determine tonight, I'll trust God. And it's not easy sometimes. It's scary. <laughs> it is. You've probably been there, some of you. But you need to answer that call tonight.
especially if there's someone here tonight that's not saved, you need to trust Christ as your Savior. But if you are saved, God is looking for that clean vessel. Maybe tonight there's some things we need to pray about. Maybe tonight there's some things we need to say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Lord, help me to not do these things anymore. Lord, help me to do certain things. We have what we call the sins of commission, the things that we do, but then there's a the sin of omission, the things we don't do that we should be doing. What is it in our life tonight that maybe is hindering God from working through us? And maybe there's something that God is looking in my life tonight and saying, you know, if you could work on that thing there, then I could use you the way I desire. Is there some things we can look in our life tonight? And if we've done that, and we're not going to be perfect, I'm glad God's not looking for someone who's never sinned. A friend of mine there in Uganda was talking to a fellow, and he said, since I've sinned, I've never, since I got saved, I've never sinned. He said, never. The guy said, never. My friend asked me, he said, are you married? He said, yes. He said, let me go talk to your wife about that. He said, nope, you can't meet my wife. <laughs> he knew his wife would give him a different answer. But you have a desire to serve God. You're doing what you can the best you can. And you're doing the things that you know God has for you to do. You can serve him. Maybe there's some things in the past, but thankfully, I'm glad we don't have one of those churches where we come up and confess every sin. I wouldn't be here tonight. <laughs> I wouldn't be telling you about all the things maybe. No, it's under the blood. Praise the Lord. And I'm glad that God can take something or someone such as you or I. I heard someone say, you know, don't look at people as something that's broken that can't be fixed. But it's something that God can use. Something that God can fix and use for his honor and glory. And that's his desire to work through us tonight. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the message. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord, and to think about this, about have we answered your call, that call to salvation, that call to sanctification, to live that holy life. Lord, you desire to work through us. You've already called us. You've already set us apart. But, dear Lord, sometimes there's some sin that we're holding on to that's hindering us in our service for you. Dear Lord, help us to make those things right, whatever it might be. Help us to determine to answer that call to serve you and to begin by just doing the things that we know we're supposed to do. Dear Lord, I ask that you bless this time now in Jesus' name. the call to salvation. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? I know it's Tuesday night of the missions conference. This is when the, the faithful ones are here, right? The ones who are really dedicated. But I don't want to leave tonight without giving you an opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ. He died for you. He gave his whole life. He shed his blood on the cross for your sin. And he can save you tonight doesn't matter whether you've been in church your whole life or this is your first time. He can save you if you'll call out to him. I would invite you to come. I'll be happy to take God's word or to find someone to take God's word and show you how you can be saved. We heard about the call then to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. Part of that sometimes, at least on our end, looks like a sacrifice, giving something up that we want to hang on to, but God wants it all. You see, it all came from Him in the first place. 
What's God called you to give to Him tonight, to sacrifice or how to serve Him in some way? Just do what the Lord wants you to do. You come.